Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Money and Me on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. He was a professional negotiator at age 23 and within 12 months was single-handedly negotiating $1 million deals. We're talking about the ideas in his book, The Art of Negotiation. He's just launched another book in September called Be the Lion. It's a great pleasure to welcome to Money and Me, Tim Castle. How are you, Tim? I am very well. Thank you so much, Michelle. It's an absolute privilege to speak to you today. It's such a pleasure. This is one of my favorite topics, and I know it is for you as well, negotiation, because we all need to do it, right? It's a massive life skill, and I'm truly passionate about negotiation. Fantastic. So by the end of today's show, you should have enough in your toolbox to ask for that pay raise or get those big ticket items at home that you saw on Lazada or uh, Shopee or Alibaba yesterday and didn't buy because you thought, no, not worth the battle. Here we go. Tim. The subtitle of your book is The Art Negotiation, How to Get What You Want Every Time. Do you really believe that's possible? Yes, my motto is believe it is possible. So I've had this mantra. Every day I walk out the door, I say this mantra. I've seen examples of this in my life that have changed how I have negotiated through life. Really? Can you share an example? Yes, age 19. I negotiated my way into university in England, which... Michelle, that is a hard thing to do without an application. And two days before the course started, and the course was oversubscribed. So there were six people oversubscribed. It was psychology. Everyone was doing psychology in 2005. And I decided I wanted to go to university, and it had to be the University of London, Goldsmiths. And I did that decision two days before. And that changed my life. Like, doing that negotiation and hearing no time and time again... And in two days, being able to negotiate my way in without an application and hear that rejection and be able to change a no to a yes, that's what taught me the power of believing it is possible and having that growth mindset. Oh my goodness, that's a great example. And I started the show saying that, you know, you learned, you were a professional negotiator at age 23. What were you doing at 23? At 23, so I took negotiation to the next level. Like once I did the thing with the university, I was doing it for friends. I was calling up telco companies and getting the fees reversed. I was getting, I never pay credit card fees. I just call them up. And to be honest, I, it became a real passion for me. So I knew that I was onto something with negotiation. Mm. And I joined a corporate barter firm, uh, the largest in the UK. And so I was on the phones, in person, on email, negotiating day in, day out. And again, facing that rejection, but learning the mechanics of how negotiation works mm. and how it can open up your life's possibilities. So mm. I was calling up clients like Jaguar, Mercedes, like the big dogs in the industry, and brokering deals that allowed them to part pay using their cars for media space. Mm. And so these, these were like negotiations with huge publishers, huge digital publishers on the one hand. So obviously it's a high pressure stakes when you're, you're doing a one million plus dollar negotiation. Yep. But when you break down the soft skills and really find out and uncover what's going on, the conversation below the conversation, that's where you can start to actually move the needle and get that yes from a no. And, and I would say that no, no is a good place to start. That's a great way to look at a no. <laughs> well, it's, um, it's actually a maybe that you don't want or a yes. They're, they're flaky. They're just telling you yes until you, until you leave and then actually they'll renege on the deal later. No is a great place to start because then you can start asking why. 
Okay, I love that. Tim Castle uh, drawing ideas from his book, The Art of Negotiation. We're going to dive deep and we'll take your questions as well. 9717-8893. You can WhatsApp me your questions and we'll put them to Tim. Join in the conversation. Why not? Or if you have a, you know, something that you're struggling with and, you know, hey, you've got a professional negotiator here who could help you out. Okay, Tim, you say that certain key words or phrases uh, people need to keep in mind when negotiating? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the biggest when it comes to linguistics is open questions. So questions like, how can we make this happen? That starts to plant the seed of imagination. So you get the other side imagining it, how that could happen rather than just saying no. So how can it happen? That's a great response to how it can happen. The second part of this is when someone says to you, no, that's not possible. If you mirror back to them the last three words of that phrase, so not possible, that will encourage them to then start speaking again, which is what you want. Because mm. the more the other side is speaking, they're revealing key parts of information that you can then use to your advantage and also create a deal of collaboration and trust. Mm -hmm. So mirroring is a technique that we use in linguistics to be able to uncover more information. To uncover more information. You see what Absolutely. I did there? That's it. And then I keep speaking because you've, you've thrown that back onto me. I love that. Also, I want to pick up on what you first started with, and that is, you know, the open-ended question, which I use a lot as an interviewer as well, uh, because I think <laughs> it provides a space for people to come forward in a conversation. And also, I think it's important in negotiation because people don't like being prescribed to. A lot of people don't want to do what they think you want them to do. Absolutely. You know, and you need to override that, that side of the persona or the psyche or the personality. And the open-ended question allows for that, I think. Absolutely. I think it's when something feels forced or someone feels like they're made to do something, that's where you get resistance. The art of the deal and the art of negotiation is all about unblocking that. So if you feel, if you go into negotiation and you feel there's a negative emotion or there's an elephant in the room, my suggestion would be to call that out. Call it out up front. Get it on the table and say, right, I can sense that there's anguish or stress around this, right? That's going to start to diffuse that problem mm. and then we can move forward. And actually, when people actually speak about the problem, they start realizing it's probably not as big a deal as they made it in their head. And that's where the two of you can start working together to go, right, okay, at the moment, this is off the table, but what else can we do? So another open question, what else is there? Love this, love this. So in your book, you also talk about the gut instinct, which is great in a book about negotiation that even <laughs> talks about the business world. So can you explain a little bit about you know, using feelings to help inform a decision? Absolutely. I think we're all born into some pathway of negotiation. It's just about finding our own gut instinct and tap it, knowing when to tap into that. And a good example was with WH Smith's. I went into WH Smith's because I was sitting in the airport and I had a copy of The Art of Negotiation. And so something in my gut told me that if I set myself the challenge to go in there and put the book on the bestseller list, just take a picture, put the book up there, and then go to the front of the queue and talk to them about trying to get my book into WH Smith's, something in there told me that I could handle that negotiation and move that forward. So it's about setting your vision and then being able to take the necessary action so following your gut instinct all the way through to actually just see where that goes and uncover that massive opportunity because they're all around us. I would say there are so many negotiations in everyday life that we just, we skip by, we don't see them. Things like getting an upgrade on an airline. Mm. It's totally possible. But there's a way to do that. 
which we will cover in just a while. I hear people on the other side of this going, <laughs> we, must, we must talk about upgrading, Michelle, our air ticket. Well, everything from getting a job to, you know, getting what you want or even, you know, just negotiating at the workplace so that workflows are tailored to what you need, for example. Uh, the art of negotiation is all about changing minds to some extent. And you started by saying when you were 19 and you were faced with a daunting task of trying to get to university in two days, which you did, um, you had to face a lot of rejection, right? And yes. people, people stop when the rejection comes their way. What advice do you have on, on dealing with rejection? Great question. I would say, firstly, get onto a TED Talk quote by Jay Jang. Mm. He did 100 days of rejection. Right, So he, as a kid, they set this task for kids to go up and give compliments and collect a present. And he was left in the class with one of three students that didn't get called up because no one had anything nice to say about him. Yeah. And that felt bad for him. When he grew older, he realised that rejection had stayed with him and he was actually scared of rejection, like truly, truly scared. So he set himself the task and said, for 100 days, I'm going to go out into the world and I'm going to get rejected. So he would do things like walk up to a complete stranger and say, can you give me $100? You know, that, that's a scary thing to do. And over time, every day he started doing it, he realized if he just stayed in that place of rejection, so he went into Krispy Kreme and said, can you make me the five Olympic rings out of Krispy Kremes? And he didn't walk away. And guess what happened? The owner of Krispy Kreme came out and they started working with him to try and build the, the donuts and the rings. And so Aww. over time, he was really touched by that. But he realized over the 100 days, it's a great TED talk. I recommend. What's the name again? Jay Chang. Jay Jang. And it's 100 Days of Rejection. It's just, it really showcases how you can practice negotiation and the skill of being okay with ne rejection. Being okay with it. You can't be a that. great negotiator if you're not okay with rejection. Rejection's the starting point, and it's a great starting point. I'll come back to that point about being no is real. No is something tangible that you can work with. And so using silence, being okay and being comfortable in that silence and letting the other side just sit with that for a moment, that's also another really big part of rejection. Don't just walk away just because you, you see the rejection. Okay, let's, let's talk about the, uh, you know, the art of silence because people think, oh, negotiating is all about rhetoric, you know, and, and I might not be the best speaker. Uh, I might be a very internal person. Mm -hmm. So w what about the non-linguistic factors that are important in negotiation? I think a lot of what you say is all about your non-verbal and being able to use silence in a way that you can allow the other person the space to really consider what you're saying and allow that seed that you've planted to flourish. So remember, we're planting the seed of possibility and then we're using silence. We're not trying to convince them by talking, talking, talking. We're using silence as a tool to then move the conversation forward. And you might have placed some anchors or some labels in there. So these are other tools that we can use and we can go into more detail about those in a minute mm. to then really resonate in their head and because people are uncomfortable with the silence and they don't necessarily expect it it starts to get you drilling down into the point of the negotiation that, that we should be focusing on so silence is definitely a tool i did that a lot when i negotiated with the university so i was talking to the gatekeeper so the, the ladies on the reception they they were straight away no it's not possible the lecturer that you need to speak to the decision maker is off sick never going to happen we've never seen this happen before never seen it before never and then they continue and they talk and they say okay what does need to happen to make this possible and then they start doing it. and then not over talking on that part. if i started talking yeah. and filling in the gaps mm. i would fill in the gaps wrong 
So it's really important that you get the information off someone. And to do that, open questions, silence, hold the silence. It can be for up to minutes, especially when it's a big deal. Just hold that silence. Oh, that's uncomfortable. How do you get used to that? Just develop a thick skin? (laughs) (laughs) You do it every day. I think that's it. Like daily habits with negotiation. Set yourself the task of going into a coffee shop. This is what I did. And I... I had a baby two and a half years ago. Congratulations. I think it's fun to negotiate. So I was going out and saying, look, cute baby discount. Every shop we went into, it would be cute baby discount. Coffees, clothing, prams. (laughs) Having a baby is expensive. So you've got to use what you've got to make it happen. You've got to use everything. It sounds like you, you, you can use everything to make what you want to happen in life too. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about anchors and labels. A good friend of mine, Vicky Kunkel, is also of a terrific book about how you can make anything irresistible, basically, okay? Mm-hmm. And she cites an example of uh, a line of people at a photocopying machine and how if people just use this one word when they tried to cut the line, you know, tried to get in front of somebody, it worked every time. But if they just communicated without using this one word, they weren't able to get into the line. And the word was because. So if somebody tried to cut the line mm. in front of you and say, can I just come in? Can I just stand in front of you? Um, I'm late. Nobody would let that person in. But mm. if somebody said, could I stand in front of you because I've got a class coming up in 40 seconds, people assume that that, be- that because there's a reason it's reasonable to let you in. So because uh, became a key part of the conversation of moving people to doing what you want them to do. What, what is your take on anchors and labels? Yeah, I think, I mean, that's a great example. And I think it comes down to relatability. People can understand things better when they see in you what they would do, right? So once you give the full context of the situation, it starts again to be, okay, if I was in that scenario, I can see why you'd be doing that. And anchors are brought in when you want to influence in a kind of a sneaky way. What you're doing is you're putting the anchor out there. It could be in a salary negotiation. You could be saying the figure that you would you would hope to get. That's an anchor. You could be saying, we like, Customers and and clients do this all the time Mm. when they say, we never give more than a 10% discount. 10% discount is an anchor because they're they're setting your mind to think, okay, 10% is the the limit. 10%, it never happens more than 10%. That's just an anchor. Just because someone said it doesn't mean it actually is true or doesn't mean it's not possible to push past that. Great, great. Okay, we started by telling people we're going to help them with some real-world examples. So... People want to get an upgrade in their plane seats. (laughs) I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. (laughs) So the best way, and I would say this has worked on 75 to 80% of the times I attempt it. And being me, I attempt it most times. I go on a plane because I fly a lot for work. But the best way to get yourself in a position to potentially get an upgrade on a flight is when you talk to that attendant at the check-in desk, is to A, finally, you've got to consider their side of it, right? That check-in desk person has probably been screamed at, has probably had rude customers, has probably had a, a day filled with problems. So going into that situation, especially if you see someone who's been shouting at them previously and you are the next in line, don't take that as a bad sign. Empathize with them and go into it with that energy of empathy and understanding of the other person's shoes once you do that you change the dialogue completely so you're starting to 
bring them on your journey. Now this, again, your request is to get an up, upgrade on a plane. And it is very important about when you say that. So when they start tapping on the t- keyboard, you're using silence, you're not, you're not over-talking. You just say, are there any good seats left on the plane? Or is it possible to get an upgrade to business? I have got a big day tomorrow. Really simple, really clean. And the timing is when, when they head down. And because you've empathized, because you've had that pre-conversation and you haven't just come into it going, this is what I want. I'm going to strong out. Like, I'm a loyal customer. I've been on this flight a million times and I've got all these points. You should upgrade me. That's, that's not the way to approach it. That's the way most people approach it. The way to approach it is to show understanding, empathy for their situation, and then that person will probably, nine times out of ten, do what they can within their power to make your day a bit better. And the final point I want to make on that is, if they say no, mm. don't get annoyed. I've had it so many times that when I just politely accept the no, okay, it's not possible, I get to actually get to the gate, and lo and behold... A seat has become available and that person, because of the nice conversation we've had, because of the empathy, has actually chosen to upgrade me to business. And that's happened numerous times. So that would be my biggest lesson to everybody is spread the love. Like, And when was the last time you had an upgrade, Tim? Every, every flight <laughs> coming and going. Yeah. Every flight! Um, and when we talk about upgrades, it can also just be to exit seats to make your life more ple- pleasurable, like pleasant. I think a key point there that I want to pick up on as well is you don't have to practice your negotiation skills every time you go to the airport. You don't have to keep badgering a person because you think, well, Tim told me that I could get oh, no, my way yeah. every time with negotiation. But timing is so important. When to listen, when to stay silent, when to accept that no. Absolutely. And becoming a person of possibility. I think it's when you exist in that world where you know what's possible and you're just, you're not focused on, hyper-focused on that one deal, right? Closing that airline, I must get that airline seat upgrade else. I'm not a good negotiator. That's not it. It's becoming a person that spots the opportunity and makes the request at the appropriate time with the exchange of fair value. That is so fascinating. Okay, so help us out in the world of business and uh, people want to get a pay raise, people listening in. Yeah, what sure. So salary negotiations, pay rises are a massive opportunity, especially the salary negotiation point. If you've gone to a job interview, you're getting an offer, you've got this opportunity to, to you're getting asked, what do you want to get paid? Right. So key thing, have your ideal salary in your head. That's the first thing. Secondly, state a range. So mm. when you state a range, you again make yourself more flexible. Start with your ideal salary. So for easy, easy numbers, let's just say your salary, you wanted your ideal salary, $100,000. Add 20%. So 100000 to 120000 is the range. By doing that, again, we're setting the anchor. So two anchors there. The next thing I would say is don't use round numbers. I mean, I've just done that for ease. But use well-thought-out numbers. So it could be... 101,981 to 113,569. That is much more prescribed and shows that depth of thought. So someone's less likely to challenge that than 100,000. It just sounds like you've thrown it out there. I want 100,000. You know, that's, that's not a number. There's too many zeros and it can easily be rolled over. It's just bypassed. If there's a number that's got not round numbers in it, it's much harder to, to kind of negotiate with that because it's thought in there. Mm. And then the likelihood is 
you'll start getting offers around that range. And even if they come in under, say they come in at 95, you're 5% off your ideal, which is a massive win. And then you can start to play with the mechanics of the deal. So, okay, I'll accept the lower salary, but can I agree that we have a pay review to whatever your ideal salary would be in six months? And from there, you can start to... So there's two parts. That's how you structure the deal. The second part, which probably relates more to getting a salary and a pay rise when you're in a job, is really how do you uncover what is motivating your boss? So that's the key part to getting a pay rise, is make yourself indispensable, deliver more value than you are currently getting paid for. And that can be things like, it's not just doing your job well, right? That can be things like bringing new clients from a completely new area to your business. It can be things like developing new revenue streams, going above and beyond to become indispensable and give that value. The second part of that is having a conversation around what you think a fair deal is with your boss. And when you do that, it's important to frame it from the perspective of how can I help you? How can we, so once you can uncover the emotion behind it, so what he or she, your boss, what's motivating them, right? Because eventually you'll find a point in that conversation that if you do X, they would happily pay you more. It's just, you need to uncover what is actually driving that conversation. Mm. And once you get to that plane, that's where you can start having a sensible time-bound conversation about value. And the final point on this piece is, if they then renege, if, if you deliver this value out of the world value and you've, you've done all this stuff, you as a person, just think of the person that you would have, have been to have gone and done that. You'll have built your own career even better and you'll have clients knocking down the door to employ you. So that's a great story to take to your next employer if they come and beat down the door. And when you've got multiple offers, oh, again, we've got leverage. And so the conversation continues. So it's just really thinking about it from the different perspective of adding value and also firmly stating a clear plan to what you want. Well, you're, you're a gifted negotiator. Speaking with Tim Castle, author of The Art of Negotiation. Uh, he's got another book out called Be the Lion. But Tim, in his day job, is in advertising. I can see why. <laughs> <laughs> Very persuasive. I want to ask you, what are your final words of advice for us before we tackle our next negotiation, Tim? Something that, that you've learned along the way that didn't occur to you at 19, but that, that you've really sharpened your focus on with The Art of Negotiation. Yeah, I think, I think it's about becoming more human right we've all we're all humans and we're all been in different situations and when you can humanize you can start to feel that deals go a lot quicker so before when i was 19 i think i did lend towards the tactics around strong arming i I was learning right i was learning on the job i was using leverage and i was using all of these things and there's a way to do it that actually it builds both parties. You still get what you want. And I'm not saying that you should become weak around what you want or change or agree with the other side's position. But I do think when you humanize it and you tell the story and you also hear their story through active listening, that's a game changer. Well, you know, I've talked with people who work on negotiating and peace processes. And I think any time that we we discuss this topic, it comes down to empathy and, and a very important role that empathy plays in making things happen in the real world and it's key to being a great negotiator right it's the glue that holds everything together that is the the bridge that you can walk across to connect the two pieces between making and negotiating a deal you're absolutely right yeah and we can all become more empathetic even if we doubt our ability to negotiate you know 
We can all improve. Put yourself in the other person's shoes and then be the person that you would want on the other end of the deal. And Mm. believe me, that's when you transition to that collaboration, that trust, and things start to flow and become attracted to you. You start to magnetize those opportunities for negotiation. Well, I hope we helped you out with that uh, upgrade on a plane. And uh, that salary negotiation, things to think about before entering the room. Tim, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much. It's Tim Castle, author of The Art of Negotiation. This has been Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.